The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. There is a new study that claims to have found over 6,600 right-wing extremist channels, pages, and accounts on social media linked to Canadians, and those channels have reached more than 11 million people globally. The study from the London-based Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which received funding from Public Safety Canada, examined thousands of accounts across seven different media platforms from Facebook, to gab to examine how these extremists in Canada mobilize, harass opponents, and recruit new members online. Ethno-nationalists who often espouse hatred towards immigrants represented the largest extremist community operating on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And Jacob Davey, who is the lead author of this study, says hatred towards Muslims was part of a really concerning trend throughout parts of this study. It really suggests that there is a concerted effort by Canadians to target Canadian Muslims, to say that they're not welcome in this country, and even to justify attacks against them. Mustafa Farouk is the CEO of the National Council of Canadian Muslims. He joins us this afternoon. Mustafa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jalen. It must be hard to hear details of that report, but is it surprising to you? No, unfortunately, it's not surprising uh, at all. Um, I mean, I think there, there's no doubt in our minds, uh, not only from this report, but from a series of studies, uh, that in Canada, while obviously the vast majority of Canadians are, are good people, uh, online hate represents a major existential threat uh, to uh, the safety and security of all Canadians. I think reality of this danger was made clear on January 29, 2017, mm. uh, when Alexander Bissonnette attacked the uh, CCIQ mosque in Quebec. This was the largest attack on a religious institution in Canadian history. Um, and in that case, uh, uh, Justice Hewat, in his, in his sentencing decision, drew attention to the fact that Bissonnette uh, you know, while perhaps not being solely radicalized online, uh, was very much consulting various internet sightings relating to uh, anti-Muslim, Islamophobic, um, and insult sources. Uh, and the report uh, out of the UK uh, is obviously deeply concerning in that regard. You have said that online hate is a, ma- a major challenge that fuels Islamophobia and violence towards Canadian Muslims. Mustafa, what needs to be done? What do you think should be done about it? Well, I mean, we think that the answer is quite clear. We think that just as in other jurisdictions that have taken steps to regulate social media companies from spreading this kind of uh, ridiculous online hate, um, such as Germany, Uh, New Zealand, we think it's time for Canada to move in the same direction. Uh, We think it's time now more than ever that the government institutes legislation that regulates social media companies. The public safety minister, uh, Bill Blair, saying that uh, he promised in the last election to bring forward requirements that all social media platforms remove illegal content, including hate speech, um, and it goes on. Uh, he did not indicate at all when any legislation would be passed. Have you heard anything on that front further to that announcement from the public safety minister and uh, what that may look like and when it may happen? Uh, well, we are continuing to engage in very positive dialogue. 
uh, with the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Public Safety uh, around um, uh, potentially bringing in this kind of important uh, legislation. Uh, but at this point, the, the most important thing for Canadians to understand is that they need to be talking to their uh, elected officials and saying it's not right that people... Uh, and I mean, everybody knows this. If you just go online, go to a YouTube video, even about something that has nothing to do with uh, Canadian Muslims, you'll likely see, uh, you know, crazy things about the Canadian Muslim population, uh, about uh, Indigenous people, about women, uh, things that, uh, you know, if you said them outside of the online context, would, could bring you very well within the context of criminal prosecution. We think that the same standards need to be applied online because as so many Canadians are online, they need to, people feel, need to be kept safe. And the reality is that, as in Alexander Bissonnette's case, online hate has a way of manifesting itself into the real world. Yeah. Yeah, and we are and we are certainly seeing more and more cases of how people have uh, have been drawn into uh, some of these uh, some of these groups, and it's all done online, and they're and they're pulled in, and then things happen, and, and so yeah, and I, I'm agreeing with you on that one, Mustafa. That certainly something needs to be done. I think something needs to be done on a lot of different levels when it comes to social media. Um, I've been vocal about that uh, for a very long time because I think, to be honest with you, it's a cesspool of of hate and yeah, over and over again, it's just, it's, it's nonstop. Mustafa, I wanted to ask you about a couple other things. I know that you um, have been watching what is happening um, around the world. We have seen these anti-racism rallies happen uh, around the world and, and right here at home, whether it's in Edmonton, whether it's in Ottawa, whether it's in Montreal. What is going through your mind when, when you're seeing these people come together with this, with this call to... With, with this call for change? I think, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. Um, I think we, I mean, people have identified for many years in Canada uh, that there are major problems with systemic racism uh, in multiple layers of our society. That doesn't mean that the majority of Canadians are racist, uh, but it does mean that our institutions have deep underlying problems uh, with uh, racist, uh, effects of policies. Um, and I mean, you don't have to look uh, very far to see uh, how that looks. I know that uh, there's been a lot of calls. Of course, you know this as well. There's been a lot of calls to change the way that policing is done, especially you know when it comes to um, excessive force, racial profiling. I know that you've been watching a number of cases on this front as well. What do you think needs to be done, or, or what would you like to say about the need um, for changes to the way policing is done in this country? Well, I think a lot of it's actually, you know, relatively common sense. Um, I'll give you, a, you know, an example. So in Edmonton, we had the case of a constable named Nathan Downing. Uh, Nathan Downing was um, alleged to have um, assaulted a man calling him, you know, allegedly, because this has not yet been proven, uh, allegedly, uh, you know, calling him the N-word, allegedly calling him a terrorist, and then allegedly beating him viciously in the back of a cop car. Uh, Downing also has a history um, of excessive violence, uh, or rather excessive force. Uh, and the reality is that Downing was left on the street uh, to continue to patrol, ended up arresting a witness in his own disciplinary hearing because uh, it was deemed to be acceptable that somebody who has a history of 
uh, excessive force and who is, you know, these incredibly uh, concerning allegations against them, that it's totally fine for that person in such a position of authority to continue to patrol the streets. And this is Edmonton. This is my hometown. It's, it's actually hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that that could be a thing. Uh, and I think that's why there needs to be changes. They're not rocket science changes. These are things that are just common sense that no one would expect that person in authority uh, should be able to do the things that people are doing. Mustafa, do you think that um, that um, police take the concerns of uh, our communities, minority groups, our, our black, indigenous, people of color, um, seriously enough? Their concerns, their worries about uh, the city that they're living in. I don't know. What a question, hey? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think I, I'm, I, I know that there are many, you know, good police officers who are out there. Yeah. Uh, but it's certainly concerning to see, uh, you know, many folks involved in senior leadership not necessarily taking ownership. Uh, I mean, we had the whiffle waffling of the RCMP around the existence of systemic racism. That's concerning. Uh, and it, there needs to be a culture shift uh, with policing, and it needs to happen now. There are still people out there, and all I have to do is, you know, look at my text line. All I have to do is go online that don't believe that racism exists. Um, after all of the the stories, especially that we have seen in the past number of weeks, the personal stories, uh, the what, what's what's being reported on in the news, why do you think that some people find it so hard to understand or comprehend that it, that it's real, that it's happening? I think part of it is that, like, you know, I can say this is somebody who's, you know, born and raised in Edmonton. The vast majority of the folks that you meet are good, decent human beings uh, who don't harbor hate or animosity towards anybody. They just want to live good lives, take care of their kids, and I get that. Um, but the reality is that uh, there are, just like there are many, many good people, there are also, you know, a large number, albeit in the minority of people, who have a lot of hate in their hearts. Uh, and who do things that make people unsafe uh, and in some cases lead to physical violence. Uh, I mean, I, you know, just earlier this year, I was at the Quebec City Mosque uh, mm-hmm. where we had people literally murdered because of what they looked like and, who, and what they believed in. Uh, that is a reality um, that's as real as the experience of any person who's lived and says, well, I don't really think that there is racism. Uh, for those who think that there isn't racism in Canada, I just encourage you to get your head out of the sand. <laughs> Mustafa Farouk joining us this afternoon. Um, we've we've talked about you know what needs to be done to tackle the the online hate, but how do you tackle? Maybe just, you know, not the online hate, just the, the everyday stuff or the, the everyday biases that, that that maybe some people have towards other people. I mean, is it just about taking the time to get to know someone? Is it about spending some time learning? What is it? How, how do we do this? I don't think I have all the answers for sure. And I think it's, it's something that uh, we, we as Canadians have to continue to engage it. We have to continue to have conversations about what that could look like. Uh, but I can say there are certainly three big things that come to mind. The first big thing is continuing to push our elected officials around systemic change, um, whether that's in education, whether that's in policing, whether that's in housing. Uh, we have to make sure that we're creating a Canada 
where everyone can succeed and no one has to feel afraid. Uh, that's not the, the, the country that I believe in. It's not the country that I know the vast majority of my neighbors believe in. Uh, that's number one. The second thing we have to do is on, you know, a personal level. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I always tell folks is that, you know, it's rare to meet somebody who doesn't have a story about, you know, the crazy uncle who says uh-huh. thing, you know, unacceptable things around uh, the kitchen table. Uh, the time for the crazy uncle is over. Uh, you know, we have to be brave, bold, and confront um, uh, racism, sexism, any form of discrimination when we see it in front of us. Uh, and the third thing that I would encourage is go meet your neighbors, uh, including those who don't look like you and don't talk like you. Find out more about them. Find out the struggles that they're going through. Uh, and think about ways that you can be a better neighbor and ultimately a better citizen. It's it's hard. I think you, you talk about the crazy uncle, and we we've heard that so often, especially over the past number of weeks. And you talk about you know being brave, being bold, and and standing up for it. And for a for a lot of times on so ma- in so many different ways, I think okay, we'll just let it go because it is just the crazy uncle. But people find it hard to stand up to find that voice because they don't want to make a scene. But I think more and more people are getting to the point now where. They're saying, I'm going to make a scene. If that's what it is, I'm going to use my voice. I am going to take a stand and I'm going to say, this isn't right. This isn't correct. And I don't accept it. Um, but it's, it's you know, change takes time. And finding that strength for some people takes a lot of, of, of time and, and courage. I just, uh, I, I look at how long this might take, right? <laughs> and, and it's been taken years already, Mustafa. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting to think about the fact that, you know, the, 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 some of the children who were desegregating Little Rock are still alive today. Yeah. Um, you know, we can try to pretend that we've moved past this kind of devastating history, but we haven't. Uh, and confronting that past is going to take uh, intellectual honesty. It's going to take love. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take bravery. Uh, But ultimately, it's something that has to be done. Mustafa Farouk joining us this afternoon. I appreciate your insight and uh, your thoughtfulness on this topic. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me.